One of my students, Ted, he took his first listing last week. Ted was a bus driver for 30 years. Got into real estate sales around 18 months ago, nothing. Okay, he attended the five-day listing challenge. He was able to pick the for sale by owner uh, tactic. He implemented the tactic and within 10 days after he got his first list. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Guys, today I have Dan Roshan on, and we're going to be talking a lot today about listings and how to take listings without having to do crazy cold calls and all these different types of things, which I know is a crazy hot topic for you guys out there, especially in this market. You could see in his background, there's no broke months, which I think many of us would be very thankful if we could just get to a place where we're getting money in every month consistently. This is the community that he has is consistent and predictable income. So we're going to be talking about his five-day challenge today. And not actually like signing up, but you can do that if you want to, but really what's behind it, what's behind the process that allows us to get consistent listings every single month. So Dan, take us into it right away. What is the key pillars of being able to take listings every single month? Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with you today. And, um, and I have personally have had no broke months since 2008. And uh, so I do know how to take listings. 15 and, years. Let's, let's put this in context, right? Because we're recording in 2023. 15 yeah. years in a row of not having a single month without income. That's correct. Yep. Yep. Continue. Average of, average of 10 sales monthly during that time period. But here's the thing. This is about me. It's about you and your viewers or it's about your viewers, really. How do you have no broke months? How do you be able to set yourself up for success? Because we know that real estate sales is a listing-centric sport. Right. We know that when you take the listings, you're able to have more consistency, you know, you have more predictability and you, you can rely on your income. So here's what most listeners or viewers are looking for. And I will get to this here in a second, but they're looking for what's the tactic? What's the way? Tell me right now, Dan, how do you do that? And I will. Yet before I do so, we have to first discover why you're doing what you're doing. And it's vital for the listeners or viewers to get that. Because if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you'll be able to set yourself up for success so that you don't get distracted on all the things that, you know, all the bunny trails, all the things that could distract you. So what I would invite everybody that's listening to these words right now to do is to take out a piece of paper, take out a pen, and I want you to answer a question. It was a very simple question, which is why do you sell real estate? Now, we already know you got into real estate sales for freedom and money. We already know that. But today, maybe it's to pay your mortgage. Maybe it's to pay a back taxes or a credit card bill. Or maybe if you're like me, when I started in real estate sales, it's so that I didn't have to go back to waiting tables, you know, 15, 16 years ago. I didn't want to do that. And so we really want to get real. We don't want this altruistic, I want to save the world, bring clean drinking water to the, to the masses that need it, which is all, you know, that's all fantastic. But guess what? If you can't you know, make your car payment or if you feel like you have to go drive an Uber part time to be able to make this work and you don't want to do that, then that's really what we need to focus on first. And the main the, goal, the main goal for this, right, just so we, we make this clear. Sure. So if you have the why down, you keep that why in front of you so that every time you're not doing what you're supposed to do that day, you can clearly say, hey, look, I'm going to I'm going to forgo. I'm not going to be able to 
own this thing. I'm, I'm going to have to go tell my wife that we can't go on this trip or whatever the case is, right? Do you typically view the why from a positive frame of mind or from a, a negative frame of mind? Like if I don't do this, I can't get this or from a positive frame of mind, like I'm, I'm just striving for my beach life, so on and so forth. Sure. I think from a realistic point of view, because I think like the beach life is probably too far for most. I think what's more realistic is I got to pay, I got to pay my bills. Right. Like that. And so it's really about just being honest. And then once you understand what it is that you want to do, then it's what's important to you about that. So the framework that I recommend is why do you sell real estate? The no BS, the smallest level of for real, what's what's authentic to you? What's important to you about that? And then what's important to you about that? And you nailed it, Matt, when you said now you keep that front and center, because once you go through this and you ask yourself a series of. Why do I sell real estate? What's important to me about that? What's important to me about that? And you continue asking that question until you get to an answer that sings to your heart. When you get to that answer that sings to your heart, you're going to know it. Then what I want you to do is I want you to swipe left to all of those what's important to you about that. So you have, why do I sell real estate? And that last what's important to me about that. Then take a, a sticky note and write it on that sticky note and place it on your keyboard, on your computer. Now you've got a compass. It's going to look something like this. For me, I sell real estate to be able to care for my daughter, which means that I'm a worthy dad. So now I've got that barometer. I've got that that compass, rather, on my keyboard. So I'm looking at it right now so that if I choose to not do the activities that's going to cause me to be able to be a worthy dad, then I just make a choice. Now so you now can... it's like, hey, choose. I don't care what you choose, but guess what? If you choose to do something that's not going to be in your favor, then you're not going to be able to uh, obtain, you know, that worthiness of the father. Excuse me. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. So, so basically, you have had 15 years of no broke months. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about the closest month that you had to being broke in that month. What was what was looking at that? Why? What was looking at that picture like? What were you saying to yourself? in that day or in that week or in that month, like give us a sense. Was it a day slump? Was it a week slump? What was the conversation like in your head? Well, first of all, if you're waiting for the broke month, it's too late, you know, because in our, in our industry, I mean, it's a 90 day sales cycle. So, so for me, I've always, I've always been focused on that. Now I haven't always had, you know, months that were 10 sales, right? I mean, the last six months they've sucked. Right. But I'm still doing three or four sales a month. Right. I mean, it's not where I should be or want to be, but it's, you know, hey, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Right. You know, and I know that, you know, a lot of people are having that experience. But the reality of it is, is that it's not focusing on the outcome. It's not focusing on the month. It's focusing on the activity, because when you focus on the activity five days a week, then the result will just automatically come. The challenge we have as agents is it's 90 days. Like I do the activity today at best, it's 90 days before I get a payday. Well, guess what? If I get rejected today, I get rejected tomorrow, I get rejected the next day, I get rejected the next day, rejected the next day, and then I get a win and I get an appointment. All right, that's like six or seven days I just went through reject, reject, reject. And now I start, guess what I feel like? I feel like a reject, okay? But you have to just sit there and say, I got to put that aside, understand I get that listing appointment seven days from now. Bam, freaking awesome. Now, I may or may not get hired from it. Okay, now I teach people how to get hired 85% of the time, right? But, you know, we're all at different skill set. We're all at different levels, et cetera. That's the challenge 
that I have noticed that most agents, uh, you know, have. So, okay. So, so basically we've got the foundation set, which is the why, like, why are we doing what we're doing? So this is what we can leverage in times of difficulty and times of struggle and days where we don't want to do what we're supposed to do. But let's say that foundation is set now. What is the first level of activity that must happen in order to start getting now you're, you're pitching listings, right? Like we're not teaching as much of the buyer side. It's like, how do you build a consistent listing business? Correct. Well, it is really how you have no broke months. And now, so for some, that is buyers, for some, it is listings. Uh, however, that being said, listings are a whole heck of a lot easier, right? In a lot, there are less time. You can leverage them. You could be able to, like, I, I put a, a, a listing under contract an hour ago, literally an hour ago, put a listing under contract and guess what? It was like maybe an hour of work to get the listing. And it's been on the market for a long time, a hundred days. It's like one of those really, really funky listings. But over those three and a half months, a couple of times a week, I'm, I'm giving the client a call, you know, it, you know, five minutes, you know, at most. And, you know, last yesterday I got two offers on it in a hundred days, you know, nothing. And then in the same day, two offers, I'm like, whoa, hey, let's make this work. Right. So there's so much, you know, more leveraged. Um, but I think where you're going with this, Matt, is like, what's the activity? So once you once you understand, here's why, and now you've got that compass and what's important to you about that, and you put that front and center every single day so you're focused on it. Now, what's the activity? So I'm going to give you five activities. Number one, lead generate five days a week. Number two, convert the leads to meet with you. Number three, attend the appointments for the purpose to get hired. Number four, negotiate. And number five, practice your scripts and role play. If you are a real estate agent and you're listening to this right now and you never have had clarity on your job description, I just gave you your job description. Lead generate, convert the leads to meet with you, attend the meetings to get hired, negotiate and scripts and role play. Those are the five things that make you money. Okay, so now if you end up doing something outside those five things, though it may be worthy, Though it may be something that is useful, it's not making you money. Then you focus back on that why that we put on that sticky note. And then you determine, okay, now I'm going to make a choice. Am I going to goof off on Facebook all day today? Am I going to design business cards today? Am I going to design flyers today? All this stuff that needs to be done, or am I going to do these five activities first? And that's a choice to make. So we've got the why. We've got the sales conversion funnel. So we understand our metrics. We understand those basic activities. What I really want to dive in with you, because I know you're certified in neurolinguistic programming, and I am an avid, avid lover of human psychology and sales and and, and NLP. I want to give the audience a sample of what it's like for you to practice and role play so that we can share some of the gems of what you know about NLP. We could share the routines. Because for those people that don't have the skill set yet to take a lot of consistent listings, to win the listing appointments, to set them, I think this is going to be one of the most valuable things that we can offer to them. So would you be willing to essentially either role play with me or walk me through what a practice session is like for you as if you were a newer agent or just kind of getting going? Let's do both. I'm happy to role play. I'm happy. To, give me one second. Let me throw this out the door. Ah! My, uh, my beeper is going to keep going off there if I don't do that. I'm happy to role play and I'm happy to give you some instructions. By the way, Matt, and you may or may not know this, or you probably know this, but you're probably not aware. 
when you just ask me that question is, well, what do they not know yet that when they practice and study, they will know? Yeah. 100%. That's a very basic NLP structured sentence where you're presupposing the reality of the future. future okay, so that's it. Right. Right. So that's an example right there of using like in, in the question that you asked me, you know, because I could tell that you're skilled. Right. So um, so let me share with you first, what is NLP? And then I want to go back because I do want to go through the three tactics that they learn in the, in the five day challenge. But I can go through those in like 30 seconds. So here's what NLP is. Neuro linguistic programming. There's a couple different definitions. The two that I like best is number one is the study of excellence. That's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Number two is the study of subjective experience. Now, subject is one of those words where it's like, yeah, I, I think I should know that word like fiduciary, right? right. Like well, as ages, we know what that means, right? But as general layman, it's like, yeah, I think I should know that. Subjective. Subjective is means that it's left to interpretation. Okay? It's your own so, personal uh, experience, right? As opposed to same for everybody. That's true. So objective is this, I'm, I'm holding up, if you listen to this, I'm holding up a sticky note right now. This is a yellow sticky note. Objectively, we can all say that's, we can agree to that unless you're colorblind, right? But subjectively would be, well, this is the most beautiful yellow piece of paper I've ever seen in my life. That's subjectively, it's an opinion. So as human beings, we live through our lives in a subjective experience. So we can have the same uh, experiences in life. We, we go and you drive to the, the grocery store. I drive to the grocery store. You get a carton of milk and a bucket of eggs. I do the same. We come back and you ask, so Matt, what did you experience? Dan, what did you experience? And it's gonna, we're going to describe two different things. But for the most part, it's pretty much the same thing. But because we go through life making interpreting things on our own basis, based off of our experiences, our upbringings, our cultures, and what we learn through life, we, we give it different meaning. So now in sales, what does that do for you? There's two functions that you really would want to consider. Number one is every single human being that you talk to can will have a different experience of how to interpret the world. Now that we just elevated you highly. Now let's let's elevate you ninja, like even above that, which is understanding that you have a subjective experience of the world. You I wanna, give I the world me. I you real quick here. Sure. Because you're doing things with your hands that I think actually could be beneficial to the audience, right? You're actually using your hands very strategically, right? You're showing levels. Mm -hmm. You're pointing to yourself. Um, you, you could talk about that now, or you could, you could, uh, we could remember that later, right? But I'm assuming there's, there's real intentionality between how you're using your hands right now. Well, so this is, and, and thank you for that. And in the same way as when you asked me the question, you weren't aware because you're skilled. The same way as when I'm communicating, I'm not aware that I'm doing this. What I'm doing is if we, when you take NLP into practice, it's almost like learning a new language. If I wanted to learn French, which I don't speak French, I got a French, you know, background. That's my last name's French, but I don't speak French. I'm American, right? I speak English. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to speak English to be America, right? But yeah, I'm going down bunny trails here. But here's the thing. So if I was to learn a, a new language, when I start to learn that new language, I'm going to really be paying attention to the words. 
I'm going to really be practicing the way I uh, pronounce things, the literation of the way that I'm communicating. Once I understand the dialect, once I understand the language, at some point in my life, I would then start just naturally speaking it without an awareness to how I'm communicating. So when you're asking me about so now I'm sort of aware of it, right? When you're asking me <laughs> what I wasn't before. So when you're asking me about the way that I'm using my hands and my body posture and the way I'm communicating, I don't have an awareness of it yet. I did learn this at some point in my life. And so at some point in my life, it was like I just opened up, you know, a Spanish workbook and I'm hola, como esta, right? Like we begin like very, very basic type stuff. And I got to practice. I got to pay attention. I'm like, no, I think in English. So th that's, you know, what you're observing is after years and years of just practice where it becomes, it's like I speak a different language than what I once upon, upon a time spoke. Awesome. Well, let's let's get back to the subjective experience because that's where you were at. Um, sure. I just noticed that because I wanted to point that out to the audience because like literally when we're walking people through how they can improve on their their you know results or when I'm on listing presentations, I use those types of hand signals. And when I started using them, my conversions increased by about three percent, five percent, something like that. So uh, carry on. So um, well, one one last thing. So when you're at that listing appointment, there's a thing called anchoring. So can I teach you anchoring right now? I know you probably are aware of this, but I'm going to teach you how to anchor. So my daughter, Maggie, she's 12 years old now. So she's at that age where it's like, uh, she's not quite too cool for dad, but she's getting close. Well, when she was an infant and a toddler and ever, you know, while I was, I was raising her, every time I tell her that I love her, I anchor it with just touching her shoulder or squeezing her shoulder. And so today I'm at that point where if she's with some friends or something, maybe we're at the jump park or the bouncy park, I got to, to sort of touch her shoulder. And when I do that, she knows what I'm telling her is I love you. So I don't have to embarrass her now, right? Now, pretty soon she'll be 16, 18 or whatever the case may be. And now we're a whole different phase, right? But I still, like I've anchored this, I'm touching her shoulder into, hey, I love you. Now, when I'm on a listing appointment, I'm paying attention in, in, in I'll give you the CPI communication model here in a second of how to pay attention. That's a part of the curriculum and the five-day event is I'm paying attention to them. And every time that they elicit positive emotion, I'll take my pen and I'll just tap it on the paper. And I'll wait for the positive emotion. I'll take my pen and I'll just tap it on the paper. And when they are ready to, when I'm ready to ask for them to hire me, I will just simply say, so are you ready to sign the paperwork? And I just tap the paper. And when you, when you're doing that, what you're doing is you're anchoring that positive emotion through your subconscious. You, Cause what you're talking about is the way you're using your body language. Okay. So that's a way that you can anchor positiveness into you hiring me. All right. And so that's just a little, a little bunny trail right there. Hopefully that's useful. Let's, let's, let's go, let's go down that trail for a second. So this, this probably has to have some finesse to it, right? Cause I mean, if you're slamming that pen on the paper, Oh, it's sure. probably going to be too loud and obnoxious, right? So let's talk about how, I mean, it's got to be noticeable enough, right? To be able to, for them to, to be able to make that connection. So kind of give us like, how much is too much? How hard is too hard? It's like everything else. So when I was talking, so speakers, a lot of times when you're speaking, when I speak, I've made it a habit of keeping my palms open. 
Okay. Because when you put, when you have your palms open, it's about welcoming people into your existence and it helps to be able to, uh, to put down barriers. Okay. It helps to put down the blocks, right? If you're talking at a, at a networking group, for example, you're talking to somebody and you can't see my feet right now, but you can sort of see my torso where I've got my right foot pointing out my door and my left point is pointing at you, Matt. Okay. Well, this is a, a poor body posture because it's telling you, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. I move my body posture like this and I'm straight like this. Now it's telling you that, Hey, I'm here with you and I'm listening to you. Now, going back to your question of how often do you do it? It is, they don't have to actually consciously notice it because you're talking to the subconscious, not the consciousness. Okay. So it's just a simple, like just a simple tap the same way as if I didn't point out to you when I'm pointing my right foot out the door and my left foot towards the person I'm talking to you consciously, unless if you're skilled at this and, and know what to look for, will never notice that. But subconsciously, you're going to have a break in the experience of, I don't feel connected to Dan. Now, excuse me for those words. Nobody here listening to this, I don't want to embed those words into your brain. I want mm -hmm. you to be connected to Dan. Okay, just for clarity there, right? But you could... If it, again, if you're if you're not aware and you're not acute to like to the way, and I'm putting my hands up now, this is the way my, my, my feet were, you know, one pointing forward and one out the door. Instead of pointing them straight to you, now with an open posture, now I'm opening up our uh, our rapport between each other. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different, and while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom. Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. How many times do they need to tap in order to create the connection in the subconscious? Uh, five. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a, a formula for that. It's just about, again, it's just about communication. And at some point, like I'm not paying attention to myself doing it. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I'm just talking Spanish. Okay. So, you know, like how many times do you have to say hola before somebody knows that you're saying hello? I don't know. Right. But it's just like, this is a new language. Okay. Being a math major, I love numbers and formulas. So 5.2, Matt, 5.2. Thank we'll you. increase your increase your conversion rate by three point seven five percent. I made all of that up. <laughs> right on. So I mean, this, this is really good. So I, I when I think of anchoring, I think of something totally different. So this is actually really really cool because this is anchoring in a psychological sense. Just to kind of play it out here for a second. So anchoring is is the element of taking the emotion 
or state you want in your prospect, tying it to a signal, and then repeating that signal enough times to where there's a subconscious connection. And then, of course, repeating it the final time when you want action on a certain, you know, in this case, signing the listing agreement. Yeah, that's a great description. I agree with that 100%. Okay, so we, we're talking about anchoring. Now, you were talking about there's a couple components to the process. One is a subjective experience. So sure. to take us into the subjective experience and how, how they can navigate that. I mean, cause like what you're saying is everybody's different, right? So. Well, when you understand that everybody's different and you, when you understand that, see, here's the thing, what I'm inviting for everybody to do is to accept ultimate responsibility. What is ultimate responsibility? What many people do is they'll take personal responsibility. And that's a, that's a high level of responsibility where if something goes wrong, it's like, Hey, my bad, I got you. That's on me. But what few people do is actually understand that your entire life you are responsible for. That's not the same as saying that you're at fault. Okay. Let's say you have a listing expire and that, and it was overpriced and you weren't able to communicate effectively to that seller to price it right. I'm not suggesting that you're at fault. What I'm suggesting is that you're ultimately responsible for it. Okay. So then as you understand that you're ultimately responsible for it, you end up asking better questions of yourself, such as in the next time I'm in that situation, what could I do differently to cause a different result? Okay. So now we understand the ultimate responsibility in communication. So you go back to that subjective experience. So if things don't go wrong the way that you want them to go, and I'm ultimately responsible, then it's my responsibility to understand to be connected with you. Okay, so that brings in the CPI communication model I told you about. The CPI communication model, and I'll tie all this here in a second, is three levels. Number one is to be in rapport. Number two is to ask adept questions. And number three is to actively listen. So what's the definition of rapport? Rapport is a connectivity. What's the connectivity of? We are energetic spiritual beings that are manifested in a human condition. Okay, that's who we are. So when you look at rapport, it is simply your spirit and my spirit commingling, interacting. How do you know when you're in rapport? You know when you're in rapport is when you can physically feel it. You can feel the rapport. You can feel the connection. So step one is be in rapport. Step two is to ask adept questions. What's an adept question? Adept before question we go, is- Before we go to adept questions, let's talk about rapport a little bit more. So there's multiple definitions if you listen to different sales trainers on rapport. Some say it's it's really about finding commonalities. Others say that ain't it at all. It's just literally getting into a little bit of a sync, one or two questions, and you're just like, you're asking about each other's day. You're getting synced emotionally moving forward. What's your definition there uh, as far as like what's required? It's a connection of energy. So I think what you're asking me, which is the definition is how do you get rapport? Yeah. Okay. So what, how do you get rapport? Give me a second. Let me f explain the, the next two, because the third one's going to answer that question really effectively. So let's say ask a depth question. So you ask a depth question. What's an adept question? It is to ask a question in a fashion that causes another person to get what they want and to guide them into something that you mutually want like Ryan Offley gets accepted, for example, because we've all been working with buyers who 
end up writing, you know, writing a low ball offer because of their emotion, because they're just like, I don't, I'm not interested. All right. So step one's being rapport. Step two is to ask a deaf question. Step three is to actively listen. Now I'm going to answer your question here. Actively listen. What are you actively listening to and for? You're actively listening to and for the energy, the connection of the energy. Okay, so what, what I'm doing is I'm taking this a lot deeper than what's normally trained. I've heard a lot of sales trainers and some even say rapport's not important or rapport's like a hack or whatever the case may be. And that's fine, but I believe that those trainers are using it, the word rapport, a different way than what I'm using it. What I'm using it, the word rapport is simply a deep connection of energy. Now, to be able to get that deep connection of energy is all kinds of hacks. I'll give you a few of them here, but the most important vital one is simply to pay attention to the energy. Because when you're paying attention to the energy, you will naturally be able to connect with the person that you're communicating with. So how deep does that need to go? You know, I don't know, but I do know that if you and I are connected at a deep, deep level energetically, I know that I'll be able to guide you to to doing what's in your best interest, which includes hiring me. Well, and so what I'm hearing from you is that essentially the paying attention to their energy, the listening to what's coming from them, you're able then to mirror. And as a result of matching that energy, they feel the similarity to you. And as a result of feeling connected and as a result of feeling similar, they feel connected. And because they feel connected, they trust you. And because they trust you, you can guide them to where, where they need to go. Yeah. And you talk about mirror and matching. Those are some of the, the ways that you can be able to connect with somebody more effectively. I play the rapport game with my team, my inside sales agents and my agents. And I say, listen, your job today is not to get an appointment. Your job today is to gain rapport. So let's play the rapport game. When you hang up that phone, were you in rapport with them or not? If you were in rapport with them, you won. Now, guess what? Yes, our job is to get an appointment. Yet, when we play the rapport game, we end up creating so many more appointments. So how do you do that quickly? You can do that quickly by mirror and matching. You do that quickly by paying attention to their energy, paying attention to their tonality, their inflection, the words that they use. And when they say a word, when they say a sentence rather than you're repeating back, they say, hello, hello. You say, hello, hello. It's Dan Roshan. Nice to meet you. Okay, so you're repeating back the hello, hello in the same fashion that they just uh, shared it. And that gets you to get connected quicker. But it's not authentic until you really, really are, you know, taking a moment to really get into that connection, that deep level connection. And then, and then you'll know when you hang up the phone or you leave an appointment, you'll be like, yeah, that, I was in rapport with that person. So people listening are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, this guy's tapping his pen. He's monitoring <laughs> people's energy. This guy is, this guy's a quack or at best, this guy is manipulating people. What do you say to that? Uh, those statements? Well, I believe that we have a, um, an obligation as human beings to be able to understand that we're not the center of the universe individually. And so when you really understand what I'm teaching is you understand that I'm teaching um, connection to another human being. 
which includes empathy, which includes um, paying attention, right? Because when you pay attention, when you're empathetic, when you step into somebody else's world, then you'll be able to um, more uh, more effectively serve them. Okay, so you could use what I'm sharing with you from like an evil quotation mark type fashion, right? Like you have to use what I'm teaching you. I'm sharing this with with the audience with the disclaimer as you you use this for for the power of good. Okay, so it's just like anything else. You could sit there and you can make a safe sort of statement about, well, that guy's got a billion dollars. He's evil. No, he's got a billion things that he could do something with. He can create jobs with it. He can donate it to good causes, or he could do evil things with it as well. And so it's really, I'm just teaching you the tools. You decide how you use them. And I intend that you decide to use them for the powers of good. Well, and mo- most people, I would say, that get a billion dollars, other than politicians, let's say, get those get those dollars by providing a billion units of value to somebody somewhere at some time. In most cases, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, like one of the things that I've learned through the, you know, get, becoming a salesperson and persuasion is that like there are some people that sell. That, you talk about coming to a unified language with, with somebody that you're selling to. They try and sell in Spanish when someone else only knows English. And, and they get so good at trying to do that, they're able to still make some sales, right? What you're saying is we're trying to create, we're speaking the language of our prospect specifically through active listening so that they can hear us so that we can get the result that they need. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, when I used to, once upon a time, I owned a really large brokerage. I had like 150 agents who worked for me. Okay. I would get the same challenges from the agents coming to me day after day after day. And those challenges, what I realized, could mostly be proactively prevented. Uh, we, we can proactively prevent the predictable problems of the future simply by taking the time to understand, taking the time to guide, taking the time to consult up front rather than be reactive. Okay. And so what I noticed so many times, you know, back in those years was that agents would come to me and they'd say, well, this buyer's an idiot. Like he's doing this and he's doing that. Again, no no ultimate responsibility there at all, right? Yet, if you really truly understand what's going on is he's not an idiot, he's freaking scared. Okay, so let's step into his world and understand that empathetically. Now, if we can understand the emotion, now if we can understand the experience, now we can start to guide him past that fear Okay, because if it was 15 years ago and I had that client and they didn't buy, guess what? If they're still renting today, they just wasted 15 years of their wealth development life. And that's a freaking duty that I missed because I didn't take the time 15 years ago to be able to step into their world. So I think we owe this to the marketplace to really be able to understand because it's really mostly just fear, especially for buyers that ends up getting in people's way. Yeah. So just kind of reviewing the process. So we've got, obviously we got to get in rapport. We got to ask adept questions. Um, and then we've got to actively listen. So yeah. those, those are the key elements of the CPI. You've talked a bit about, you know, the beginning process as well, the why and the activity, the sales funnel, but what are the three tactics or strategies that you teach in the uh, challenge? Is it, is it the, those three parts of the CPI or is there other tactics? Uh, there are tactics. So the first piece of it is, is, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? The second piece of it is, is now let's discover your way. Let's discover your how. 
Okay. Now in real estate sales, there's, you know, 187 ways that you could find business. Like we could go through, we can label them all right now. YouTube ads, Facebook ads, um, open houses, door knocking, et cetera, radio ads, whatever, video, uh, YouTube, like what we're doing here. There's so many different ways that you could be able to generate business. What I do during the challenge is I take three tactics and I teach how you could get listings today through these three tactics. The three tactics are the open house tactic, the CPI open house. The second one is the Facebook, the, uh, the Facebook lead generator st strategy. And the third one is the for sale by owner, the easy way strategy. The reason why I teach those three ways is because I found that one of those three ways would most likely be able to resonate with the audience, with you as an agent. Okay, because for some, you know, like for me, give me a phone book. I'll call through that all day long. I don't care. Right. But I'm not so inclined to do open houses. Right. They're too slow for me. Or there's, too, you know, it's, it's, but if you're a person right now and like you bring energy into a room and maybe you're a little touchy feely and you, you make other people just like really, really feel great. Let's talk about doing open houses as a strategy, as a tactic. Okay. And that, and those are the three tactics that I teach throughout the course. What, so what lead sources in general, do you find that your clients, because obviously as teachers, we attract a certain type of person more than other types of people. What, what lead sources do your clients generally have the most success with? It depends on who they are yet. You are right. We do, you know, attract the same, you know, type of people. What, one of the things that I found in the way that I teach the for sale by owner, the easy way is again, is no co-calls. There's no door knocking, there's no begging. That's the class. Okay, so with the for sale by owner uh, tactic, it's about not going to the for sale by owner to get the uh, to get the listing. Is to go to the for sale by owner to create a relationship. Okay, and the way you get the appointment is I'll teach you how to do so through a, a series of texts instead of phone calls. Okay, so now I'm not having a cold call anybody. I'm meeting with people. And now that I'm meeting with them, instead of me going there soliciting the listing, I'm there establishing the relationship, one of which I provide value, one of which I will contribute to them. Now, I'll give you sort of a preview of coming event. So in the class, I teach you, here's the conversation that you did. You take a for sale by owner help kit that I'll, I'll, I'll give you access to in the class, and you share that for sale by owner help kit with the seller around three quarters through the appointment and you share it with them. And you say, Mr. For sale by owner, I made this pamphlet. I made this brochure for you, this book to be able to guide you on how you can do this on your own, because I'm not going to be like those other agents to come here and beg you for your business. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how you could do this without me. I'm going to show you how you can uh, advertise that on Facebook. I'm going to show you how you can uh, resources for doing a 3d virtual tour. I'm going to tell you the best ways to do an open house, et cetera. Why would I do that for you, Mr. For Sale by Owner? Because I know that oftentimes for sale by owners do end up hiring an agent. And if that becomes you, I love an opportunity to apply for the job. Is that a fair exchange? Yes, yes. Then when I leave, now I start providing them value. I set them up on an MLS, an MLS search. I send it to myself. Okay, and then when the neighbor across the street goes under a contractor, goes on a market or does a price reduction or whatever the case may be, I send myself the message and then guess what? 
Hey, Matt, it's Dan. Roshan, I met you last week. Just wanted to let you know your neighbor, 123 Main Street. Uh, they just placed their property on the market. I just want to make sure that you saw that. How's things going with you? And continue with the relationship. One of my students, Ted, he took his first listing last week. Ted was a bus driver for 30 years. Got into real estate sales around 18 months ago. Nothing. Okay, he attended the five-day listing challenge. He was able to pick the for sale by owner uh, tactic. He implemented the tactic. And within 10 days after, he got his first listing. Right? And that's what I teach. Yep. So what is there a cost to this? Is it a free challenge? That is a free challenge. It's just three steps of uh, the CPI community. So the CPI community is step one, attend the free five-day challenge. Step two is to attend a three-day CPI certification, which is an immersion class. And step three is to join the community, the CPI community. Awesome. What's your vision for your life and business the next 12 to 18 months? 12 to 18 months, I intend to have 1,000 people within the CPI community. I intend as a real estate agent to... Um, to not be belly to belly with clients, to be mentoring and, and guiding my people through them achieving their goals. Ultimately, more than 12 to 18 months, I intend through the uh, CPI community to be able to raise the collective consciousness of salespeople, entrepreneurs, real estate salespeople across the entire planet so that collectively we can all have no broke months and we can serve our families we can help them achieve, we can help our families get what they want and we can achieve our personal goals and solve our own problems. Awesome. Dan, thanks so much for coming on, for sharing about your life and your business, for teaching us all these different things like anchoring. That was probably one of my favorites today, the anchoring, how to create psychological triggers to the subconscious to be able to get them to take action when they are ready. Um, but you guys might have taken away something different. Write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. Because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day, before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 